Okay, this is our uh, weekly Bible study for, uh, oh boy, I don't even know what the date is, 624, I think, 06. Um, we just watched a couple uh, videos on the uh, uh, short TV videos on the computer uh, on the day and times we're living in. One was on a cult leader who claims to be Jesus Christ, and another was on this Dominionist movement. Both, basically, both of them were of the Dominionist theme, and uh, uh, the Bible predicted that this was going to happen, and it shouldn't be any surprise to us. They, they basically believe they're going to bring heaven down to earth. Um, uh, it's just... I don't know. It, 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 is, it is the leaven leavening the lump and the Bible predicted it was going to happen and it said there was going to be many false Christs and the Bible also says that if it were possible even the very elect would be deceived. Um, and this, this sending of delusion that they shall believe a lie, I don't think that's something that God's just going to do just then in 2 Thessalonians 2, chapter 2. What? Taylor's Romans, chapter 1. Verse 16. Um, it's going to be something that is an ongoing process. These people are being sent a strong delusion. I think it's going to get stronger, but they're definitely being duped. All you have to do is, is watch a little bit of this, this information to understand just how duped they are. And, and you, all you have to do is compare this to the Bible. And that's why it's so important that you're reading the right Bible and you're staying and you're in a place wherever you're at that is not being influenced in a demonic way. And I guess that's why I'm so at this point against the 501c3 churches because that little leaven that leaven up the whole lump has such an open doorway through these 501c3 churches when you have government over the church as opposed to Jesus Christ as the head. You have to play by their rules. And when you have to play by their rules, their rules never line up with what the Bible says. That's the problem. Um, and I, I just will keep going back to the 501c3 church and, and not having the right Bible. Those are the two main things that open up and, and, and most of them are so far into that system that they don't understand what they're doing um, at that level most of the time. I think they're so delusional that they've so been brought up in it, they've so been indoctrinated into it. They truly think that they're okay. They're deceived. Um, if they were reading the right Bible and looking at what their lifestyle was, comparing that to the Bible, they could figure it out. But they're not doing that. So, therefore, that's why one of the main reasons it's just so bad. Um, I'm going to look at um, Romans. We'll, we'll go ahead and start at verse uh, one, uh, chapter 1, verse 16. I'm just going to go through this, and we'll just do a Bible study on this. Um, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. This is how we get saved. Um, I'm seeing if there's anything more I want to add to that. Um, and again, with salvation, what you have to always look at with salvation is, is salvation first, works following. Not works first, salvation following. Because if works are first, and you're earning your way to salvation, you're not saved. Period. For you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, 
It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that's Ephesians 2.11. Um, so we want to always make sure we get that right. Now that's a gigantic... That's another thing you see as a uh, common thread running through all these false religions. In fact, there's only two religions in the world. There's only two. Two. You've got all your cults and all your isms, Catholicism, uh, <coughs> Mormonism, all these other cults and religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, Dominionism, and then you've got true Bible-believing Christianity. And I won't even put a denominational label on it. I won't even, I won't even go there. Because there's a lot of people that are they're even in, let's say, solid, um, or, or should be solid biblical churches, but they're putting their faith in that denomination. And you cannot put your faith in denominations. You have to put your faith in the Word of God. And if you're going to put your faith in the Word of God, you have to put your faith in what does the Word of God say. So, this is the di- this is the difference here. And there, so you got two religious systems in the world. You boil it down, make it real super super simple for everybody. All your isms and all your cults basically say you get to heaven or nirvana or paradise or wherever they call it. Satanists call it hell. They want to go to hell because they think it's going to be a big great big party. Um, they're just duped and lied to. But you get to all these places through works. In these isms, in these cults. Whereas in Bible-believing Christianity, biblical Christianity, you get there through faith. Faith is, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I believe that's Hebrews 1, 11, 1. Um, so faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's our hope. And the evidence of things not seen. See, all these other religions have to have evidence of things. Even their works are evidence because they can do it and that's their evidence that they're going to heaven. I did it. I know I can see it. I can feel it. I can touch it. I go and I, I do all these religious things. Whereas faith is different. Faith is, is faith that, and most people cannot. They can't do that. They, they, they have to have something more than faith in Jesus Christ. They can't in their head. They, they want to be able to earn their way to wherever they're going. And a lot of it also is that they there's too many things in this Bible that chaps their hide, so they don't want to adhere to the things in the Word of God that, 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 that makes them uncomfortable because that's too much responsibility for them. They want their sin. they got to have their sin. And what these religions do is that it enables these people to basically say, you can have your sin. It's okay. Go live like the devil. Have your rock music. Have, have a whatever. As long as you're, you're a member of our church, you're okay. You're still the chosen. That's what we saw in these, these little videos we were talking about. You can still sin. sin. Um, now granted, there's limits in these religions. I mean, they, they, there's, there's some that, that, that don't permit this and that and things of this nature. Um... But sin is marginalized, and repentance is very marginalized. It's it's not something they really want to emphasize because they'd lose too many members. Now, why would the pastors be doing this? Well, they're brought up in a corrupt foundation because the cemeteries have ruined them. I mean, the seminaries. They've been ruined by the seminaries and by their typical Christian upbringing in today. And I say Christian, and I mean that almost tongue-in-cheek. 
And then they get out of uh, the cemeteries and they go and they're hirelings because God never called them to go into a cemetery. How could God call them to, 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 to go to some place where they'd be brainwashed and deceived? Think about that a little bit. Think about that. Well, I'm called of God. So you're telling me, preacher, that God called you to go someplace where you'd be ruined? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. That, now, I can, the only instance where I could see that would make sense is if they finally, the light bulb finally came on and, and God brought him out of that. And God used that experience to basically say, okay, now you've seen how bad it is and you know how bad it is. Now go help my, pe- go help my people. That's what, I, I, I mean, I'm not bragging, but that's what he did with me. I got into all that junk. I did. I was, I was, I was saved into that junk. And I do believe that I was saved. But it was only by the grace of God that, that the Lord brought me out of all that. And, and really, it, God, it just, it's, a, it's a testimony to God's mercy, mercy on my life. And I'm not saying I'm not the only one that's happened to or that's the only one that will happen to Melvin Sisson preaches a, a sermon entitled The Film is Being Developed meaning the, the, fil- the, the film of our life right now is being developed it's like you ever get take a Polaroid and, and you know right when you take it there's nothing on it and you flip the Polaroid over and you put it on and you, and you let that develop okay that's what our lives are right now. And yes, God can use these experiences and I think He can use somebody in a mighty way that has went through all this and God's pulled out because they have a unique perspective. I've done some things and seen some things in the Pentecostal circles that would blow the average independent Baptist mind and participated and was one of the most radical. I was one of the most radical because I equated zeal with... Um, and I mean zeal. I mean, I was on a fire, you know. I, I, I'm going to do this for the Lord. I was like those people on that on that the video, the the one on the uh, the the pseudo Christians. I equated all that zeal with being right with the Lord. Okay, God knew my heart. My heart actually was really wanting that. I really did want it. But see, God knew my heart, and so in His mercy, He brought me out of all that. And, he, and then now I can look back and say, listen man, I've been there. <laughs> You're not going to come to me and, 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 and try to pull this stuff on me and convince me it's right. I've been there. <laughs> God brought me out of all this stuff. So, I really do thank God that He let me go through all that. I really do. And, 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 and um, That's the trial of our faith. It's the testing. Everybody's at a different level. And uh, some people won't have to go through all that. Man, I, I, I look back, I thought, wow, it would be really neat if I, if I would have been brought up in a biblical home. And just that's all I would have ever known. You know, I, can't, I, I, tr- I look back and I try to imagine how different I'd probably... Because the, the, the one thing that really um, is not good about all that is that you have all these memories of your past that they don't just go away. And the devil always wants to bring all that up and rehash all that, the, the pit from whence you were dug. And that doesn't, um, I think that if somebody was actually brought up as a Bible-believing, true Bible-believing Christian and they were doing it right from the very get-go, they wouldn't have all that baggage from the past. That would be nice. It's not optional, though, for me and for, and for most Christians. And God 
knew it was going to be that way, and I'm just going to try to turn around and make it into a positive thing, you know. And I don't know whether maybe that's why the Bible says to put put ye therefore on the mind of Christ. That's another thing it says to do in the New Testament. It says put on the mind of Christ. What else does it say put on? Well, the whole armor of God. We've, we've talked about that in Ephesians 6. Um, so the, the whole armor... Or is that Ephesians 5? Is it 6? Okay. I lost track there for a second. Um, the mind of Christ. What would the mind of Christ... Putting on the mind of Christ do? I think it would protect your mind. And, and, and not to say you're not ever going to struggle with, with your past and things of this nature. But it's the old nature, it's the old man that's at war with the new man. The rebirth man, the, the saved man that's inside you that the Bible talks about. That, um, you know, when you're born. That Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again to be saved. What, what must I do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? You must be born again, Nicodemus. Okay. So you got to be born again. And... When you're born again, the Holy Spirit actually comes and dwells you and, 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 and your spirit is reborn. And so, But that doesn't mean you're still not going to battle the flesh. Okay? Well, how do we overcome that? Well, whatever part of you you feed the most is going to have the preeminence. Well, how do we... How do we uh, and it's not like the Holy Spirit's in there sitting eating, but the Word of God... Is, 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 is the way that we primarily, I, I believe, feed our spirit. Um, and strengthen it, I guess I should say. We strengthen ourselves through, through the Word of God, through adhering to its tenets, through staying right with the Lord. Um, that's primarily the way that, that that's done. Now, so it says for, and this is going back to verse 16 in Romans, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now let's not kid ourselves. Jesus did say He came to the Jew first. He did say that when He was on this earth. Uh, in fact, when that one person came to Him and, and said, you know, asked Jesus for, I believe it was a miracle, and He said, I don't, um, something that, something that affected casting your, your, your uh, scraps of the dogs. And... Jesus did come for the Jew first. He came for his own people. Now, did Jesus and his preeminence know how it was all going to turn out? Yeah, he sure did. He knew that they were going to reject him. So what was the byproduct of that? Well, blindness in part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in. They've been blinded for our sakes. For, 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 for the sake that the gospel could actually be preached to all humanity. Okay, So in God's mercy, he, he knew this and he ordained it. So it says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now that it's not the only place that's said in the New Testament. Okay? So this is why we shouldn't be high-minded. And this is why the Bible talks about later in Romans, it says, Boast not thyself against the branches, the true branches. Well, what are the true branches? The, 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 the true original, original branches that they're in reference to are the Jews. Okay, what are we then? We are a wild olive branch grafted in, it says. It says this later in Romans. We'll get to that later. So we're, we're, um, we're this wild olive branch grafted in. And then it says, Boast not thyself against the branches. Because it says, You can be taken away too. So we're not supposed to be, I don't think we're supposed to go to the extent that a lot of these ministries are going to, 
the, the, the one I, I see the one of the worst in some ways even though there's a lot of truth in what he says is text Mars he's just totally against the Jew I mean they're the devil seed now that's dangerous that's really dangerous you don't want you don't want to go granted yes are they living like the devil yes but we know the emphasis will be coming back to them during the tribulation the Bible's very clear on that why blindness in part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in what happens when the fullness of the Gentile come in it's got, the emphasis is going to go back more to the Jew all you have to do is read the book of Revelations to understand that the emphasis is more on the Jew in the book of Revelation the 144,000 the 12,000 of each tribe male male virgin um, male virgins um, it doesn't talk a lot about the gospel being preached to the Gentile nations during the tribulation, what it really keys on mostly after chapter after chapter 3 in Revelation is the Jew. Now does that mean nobody's going to get saved during the tribulation? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying, as the emphasis right now is not on so much the Jew, it will be more so then. Right now it's mostly on the Gentiles. Okay, And this blindness is how a Jew can be so brainwashed and delusional in their religion because of all religions in the world if anybody should be getting saved you'd think Jews would be I mean all you got to do is look at how Jesus fulfilled all these literally hundreds of prophecies in the Jewish Old Testament how in the world aren't these Jews getting saved I mean that's just incomprehensible because they're blind when they said, give us Barabbas, let his blood be upon us and our children, when they said that to Pontius Pilate, well, that was it. And he gave them more than one opportunity. And then what did they do after that? Well, they rejected all, all his apostles and prophets who were going around doing miracles. You'd think maybe that would convince them. Nope. That didn't convince them either. What was the outcome of that? They killed all the, the apostles, save one, John, who died on the island of Patmos as a prisoner. Well, so obviously that rejection continued. Stephen being the first martyr, he told it like it was. They couldn't handle the truth. He, he gave them truth. What was the result of that? They stoned him. So this is why it is the way it is today. This is so we know. That's why it is, okay? That's how they can be so blind. The Bible said that was going to be the case. So verse 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Remember, I always come back to this. The just shall live by faith. That's how we got to live. Through faith. Always comes back to that. Abraham was justified through faith. We're justified through faith. That's how you get saved. You guys get saved that way. If you say that prayer, the, the salvation, you know, or accept Jesus Christ, and you don't really believe it, which is what really most, what happens with most people. They're saying a prayer, but they're saying it because it's a prayer that they believe they're going to get the goodies. They don't really in their heart believe that this is really the case. Um, and it's a kind of a good deal. They're looking at it like, well, hey, this isn't a bad. I get, all I got to do is say this prayer, and, and you know, deep down their their mind, they know they're not going to change. They know they don't really have any real desire to change, and uh, they may muster themselves up and really be sincere for the moment. But that, but these are the the, the 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 word of God fell on four types of ground. 
Okay? And there was one type of ground that says when the cares of this world come around, you know, they, they fall away. And then one, one says then when they get offended for the word of God, then they fall away. Some the devil just steals. And again, how do we know where a person's operating? Well, the Bible says, by their fruit ye shall know them. So what kind of fruit has a, has a Christian yielded since supposedly they got saved? Does that mean we're saved through works? No, it doesn't mean that. But the Bible does say, by their fruit ye shall know them. So these are fruit, and there's different types of fruit other than just works. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance. Okay, so there's different kinds of fruit other than just pure works. Like, I'm going out and I'm doing this in this ministry. Well, there's other kind of fruits that you, you can bear also. So, the just shall live by faith. Verse 18, now, for you to be just... Think about this. For you to be considered just in God's eyes, you have to be justified. How are we justified? Through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through His salvation. Through His what He did on the cross. Through His atoning atonement that, that, uh, that He appropriated us through His death, burial, and resurrection. Now He's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And the Bible says He ever maketh intercession for the saints day and night. The Bible also says the accuser stands before um, Jesus and ever makes accusations basically day and night. So we got the accuser. So what we don't want to give the accuser is a whole lot of ammunition to go before Jesus or the Father and basically say, listen, you know, he's living like the devil. Look. But we're justified through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in order to be just, you have to be justified. So prerequisite for that, you've got to be saved. Because the only way you can be considered just is to be saved. How are you saved? Through faith. So the just shall live by faith. The only way you can be just is to be justified. The only way you can be justified is through faith in Jesus. See how it all connects back to one another. The whole thing. So for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. So in other words, this is we're getting to the point here um, where we're going to be looking at how God views things in regard to we're really without excuse. Okay? Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. How is that? We're going to see in the next verse. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. They're without excuse. Now this is how these people that say, well, oh, you know, God, I never knew. All you got to do is wake up. Look outside. You're telling me all this came together by chance? Okay, our bodies, the way that they're set up, how the oxygen is, how, how the uh, atmosphere is just the right atmosphere in order for us to live. 
and breathe. Um, how our body's functioning as it functions. All these literally millions of processes going on in the body. And that just happened by chance. Right, right. How the earth is just the right distance from the sun. Because if it was much closer, we'd all burn up. If it was much farther away, we'd all freeze to death. How the gravitational loads that exist in the earth are right to sustain life. How the earth is on its axis just at the right thing so that we'll actually have seasons so that we can actually plant crops and do these things. How there's a covering over the earth that basically filters out the ultraviolet radiation so that we don't burn up every day. All that just happened by chance, I guess. And not just scratching the surface. We're without excuse. Um, now, there may be a lot of devil gods out there basically taking credit for this. But they're liars from the pit of hell. So it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. They're clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Who are the things that are made? You and I. And, and creation. Even his eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse. So see... Um, the Bible says they're without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful. Hmm. That's a real dangerous place to be. That's a really important part of that whole verse. They weren't thankful. Um, that is one of the keys to apostasy. Not being thankful. Uh when you're not thankful we're going to look at all the this is where it started it says basically when they knew God they, they didn't glorify Him and when you don't glorify Him and you don't acknowledge Him to be the creator of the universe then you become unthankful but became what? then what happens they became vain in their imaginations so they imagine all this stuff all this junk that we see all this false religion how did it first come about? They First, they imagined it. Well, you know, I'm not a bad person, really. Why couldn't I start my own religion? I'm God, aren't I? You know something? I, I think I am Jesus Christ. Why, why can't I be? Wasn't that the first thing that Satan tempted Eve with in the Garden of Eden? Said, you shall be as God's. Well, where did Eve conceive that very first thought? In her imagination. Who put it in there? Satan. She probably had never even thought of anything up until that particular time, at least in the Garden of Eden. But at that point, that thought entered her mind and she conceived it and then she acted on it by eating the fruit. So, when you become vain in your imaginations, then what's the next thing? And their foolish heart was darkened. Their foolish heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, verse 26, He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Well, the Bible says here, foolish heart. Proverbs 28, 26. Um, he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14.12 and Proverbs 16.25. So, their foolish heart was darkened. 
they weren't thankful, they, they, they didn't glorify God, they became vain in their imaginations, and then their foolish heart was darkened. Then, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. You know, this verse runs through my head just about more than any other verse anymore. All these people that, 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 that I mean, I'm up on the internet, I'm getting all this information. And this verse comes into my head so much all the time. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They are, they're fools. In God's eyes, they are. They could be all the intellectuals in the world, but they profess themselves to be so spiritual, or they're, they're so intellectual, they, know, they have all their degrees... But they're fools in God's eyes. They've, they've departed from the simplicity of the gospel. From the simplicity of the word of God. They've, they've created their own religious system most of the time. Then what did they do? Because this always progresses. This is a progression we're watching here. So bear that in mind as we're reading this. And change the glory of God. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. Well, this is the beginning of idol worship. This is where we get that. An image. They're worshiping an image. We're not supposed to worship an image. And to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Well, these were some of the, the, uh, the idols that they worship, and they still do. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. So God just says, okay, have it your way. He'll let you have it your way for a time. So He gives them up to uncleanness to the lusts of their heart, own hearts. Here we go again to the heart. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Well then, you always run into the sexual sins. Because the, 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 the end byproduct, the worst end byproduct of all this would be getting into the sexual sins. Who change the truth of God into a lie. So these people are constantly trying to change the truth of God into a lie. They're always trying to distort and pervert Scripture. And worship and serve the creature more than the Creator. Why? Because the creature doesn't demand anything of you. Other than if it's, a, if it's an idol, he may, he may demand that you sacrifice your kid, but you can still have your sin. It'll get that bad. That's pretty bad when you would rather sacrifice your own kid and still have your own sin. That's unbelievable. That's what they did to Moloch. They sacrificed their children for, for uh, the sake of financial blessing. That's pretty pretty bad. You'll actually take your own little child and... Uh, I don't even want to go into it, but it's, it's, it's just unbelievable that it could get that bad. So they worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed to forever. Amen. Now, that's what witchcraft is. Witchcraft is also known as paganism, which is also known as nature worship. So now, again, this is a whole progression. This is an interesting progression of what we're seeing here. It's going right down the line here. They dishonor their own bodies. They worship and serve the creature more than the Creator. For this cause, now what's the next step? For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. Vile, now we're getting into vile affections. So your affections are toward things that are vile in God's eyes. Now we're getting into sexual perversion big time. For even their women did change the natural use 
under that which is against nature. See, a woman lying with a woman is against the natural use of her body. If that were the case, you think about this. Homosexuals, in order for them to propagate their sick... I guess you call it religion, because homosexuality really is a religion if you really think about it. In order for them to propagate their own sick sexual religion, they have to recruit. Why do I say that? Well, if a woman were to lie with a woman, and a man to lie with a man, are they ever going to make babies? No. Well, we'll just get artificially inseminated, the woman. Or maybe we'll lie with a man just to get pregnant. Bottom line is they've got to recruit. Because the religion in and of itself, the, 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 the whole premise of homosexuality, cannot, um, cannot proceed, cannot go further, would die out had they not recruited. It's a demonic recruitment. It's demonic possession. It's a proven fact that... Homosexual men, and, and, and I, I, I'm sure to expect women that are lesbians, were, but particularly homosexual men, were, were uh, usually molested by a same-sex male figure older than them at an early age. Proven fact. What, that's one of the most common denominators of a man being a homosexual. Now that's sad. That really is. Because a little child being molested by a grown adult... Um, the Bible says it were better if a millstone were hung about their neck and then be cast in the depths of the sea. Okay, for them to do such a thing. And that's sad for the child. Because here's what happens. Let me tell you, this is demonology 101. When you do that to a child, you're implanting devils. Strong devils. Sodomy is one of the main rites of witchcraft. In high-level witchcraft ceremonies, they will sodomize one another. Men with men. Why are they doing that? Just, just, just to get off on some sick, perverted kick? No, it's not like that. The devil knows what he's doing. That is one of the main ways you invite. That's an opening, that's a doorway, that's a portal for devils to come into you. And these are strong ones. This isn't just like, well, I told you a little white lie. No, this is a little different. There's different degrees of demonic possession. There is. And you can open kitsy doors, and you can open big gigantic barn doors. Well, that's a big gigantic barn door opener. That is why at the highest levels of witchcraft, you will always see sodomy at the highest levels of witchcraft. You always will. It's not just because they're sick and twisted. It's part of the religious system. Well, the Bible, this is what we're getting into here. The women did change the natural use under that which is against nature. But hold on here. It said that they worship the creature more than the Creator. And it says that they changed the glory of God and of the uncorruptible God into image made like to corruptible man and the birds and the four-footed beasts. It said that they dishonored their own bodies. What is the one, what, what, I've said this before, the one world religion of the Antichrist is going to be witchcraft. It's going to be repackaged into a real nice whatever. Probably with the Catholic Church as the covering. Catholicism, I'm sorry, but that is witchcraft. It is witchcraft. All those pagan rites and all the things that they do, it's witchcraft. But it's going to degrade. The, the, what you see today in modern Catholicism and things of this nature 
that's going to be Kitty's play compared to the seven year tribulation New World Order religion that's going to be because you're going to have all the religious systems lumped into one and when you have witchcraft you have nature worship and when you have nature worship you have paganism and when you have paganism and witchcraft you're going to always have that associated with homosexuality always so they did change the natural use of, of under that which is against nature and likewise also men we don't want to leave the men out here leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another Never see, you know, like I said before, with the men, it's, it's a proven fact. The most common denominator, they get sex, the same sex um, sodomized at an early age is the greatest common denominator. And we know that this is one of the main ways where essentially devils come into them. That's why the Bible says above all flee fornication. Because that there's a different dynamic that happens in sexual sins than there are in other sins. There's a just totally different dynamic. It opens you up to things that wouldn't normally you'd be opened up to if you just stole a pencil or told a little white lie. There's different things. Is it all sin? Yeah, it's all sin. But there's we're, we're comparing a barn door compared to a mouse door. Okay? And there's different devils of different hierarchies. Satan has a kingdom too. And he has stronger ones at the top and lower ones at the bottom. Each one of them have different powers and things of this nature. So you're opening yourself up to stronger spirits, I guess I should say. Um, when you you see a man that has that homosexual voice, you, we've all heard. What is that about? It's a double. It is. That's a devil manifesting, is what it is. Because if he did not have that devil in him, he'd talk like a regular man would talk. Now, granted, there's some homosexuals that don't have that at all. In homosexuality, particularly with men and with women, there's normally a dominant and a submissive. Okay? And the submissive will typically be the one that talks like that, like that real feminine. Type, type of talk. The dominant male will be will talk normally and he'll be the one that, that, that kind of rules over the submissive. And that in that vein they have their it's their own sick, demonic, twisted, perverted way of having male and female. They'll even have marriage ceremonies where, you know, one may dress a little different than the other. One's really wearing the pants and the other one's in the submissive mode. This is one of the demonic ways how they justify these things. And there's homosexuals that are, that, uh, that you know, the, the dominants are only attracted to the submissives. I don't think you're going to have two dominants together. Not for any type of long-term relationship. And another thing about their long-term relationships, they have the stinking morals of an alley cat. It's well known. They have, I mean, when they do get married, the divorce rates are... Of course, the Bible says, What God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. What if God never joined... He didn't join no homosexual together. Their marriages are... are I, I don't care if they got a, 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 a marriage license. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. That, that piece of paper, you can burn it. It doesn't mean anything. They're all winning their, their, their same-sex rights and all that other junk. That, that doesn't mean a thing in God's eyes. 
And when they're together and they don't get married, it's a common fact. They have like an 80% or 90% cheating rate on one another. They're running around with everybody they can run around with. Well, if it was if it was really good and real, why are they doing that? Well, it's, it's not. It's demonic from the pit of hell. You know what the average homosexual's lifespan is? It's about 51, 52. Well, what's the average lifespan of, of, of the regular American in America? Oh, about 75, 76. So they've got 25 year less lifespan and you're telling me something not real, real bad is going on? Um, there's a Bible verse that, in Proverbs that talks about that the, the years of the wicked should be shortened. The Bible also says, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. That's Proverbs 13, 13. Rebellion, rebellion. 13, 13. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. Well, what more way could you despise the word than to be a homosexual? What more, what more thing could you do that's ungodly, that's against the word of God? The word of God is replete with examples of where sodomites have to be destroyed. Now, are we supposed to do that today as Christians? No, we're not supposed to go around and... That's, that's God's business, okay? But back then in the Old Testament, under Levitical law, that's what they were to do. So, likewise also men leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, receiving in themselves that recompense of air, of their air, which was meat. Now the word meat means proper or fit. So they're getting what they deserve. Is what the Bible says. Um, AIDS was actually we just got a, we had a comment and in, in, just so everyone knows AIDS, although it was created in a laboratory. And if you have any doubts of that, please go up online, do a keyword search for Dr. Lynn Horowitz. Dr. Lynn Horowitz. He's a dentist, an MD who has done research and found conclusively it has the paperwork. Of course, don't follow his New Age beliefs because he's into some crazy New Age stuff and calls himself a Christian, so don't fall for that line. But there's much to glean from his research because he has proven conclusively that AIDS was created in a laboratory and it was our wonderful scientists that created and it was introduced in vaccines given to the Africans and given to the um, homosexual males in 1978 in the hepatitis B vaccine in Chicago and in San Francisco and I think maybe New York. Now, this is why the Africans and the homosexuals traditionally have been plagued with AIDS. Hemophiliacs have also been plagued with AIDS because hemophiliacs many times require blood transfusions and AIDS has a six-month latency period, and by that I mean that when, if you have AIDS and they draw blood from you, if you, if you donate blood at a blood bank, it takes them six months to identify if that blood is really bad or not. Most of the time that blood doesn't hang around for six months. So you're always taking a risk of contracting AIDS if you get a blood transfusion. Now, I don't know if they've improved upon their methods of detection, but the last time I checked, that was the case. This is why so many hemophiliacs have AIDS. This is why IV blood users have AIDS. Because, see, when it started with the homosexuals, many of them are IV drug users. Because they got to have drugs to cope with all the, the, the demonic torture they're always in because they know what they're doing is wrong deep down. 
They do all kind of drugs in their homosexual... I mean, you read these stories about these bathhouses, and I don't want to even get into that, what they do with these things. But it's the most sick, twisted thing you could possibly ever imagine and envision. Drugs are always associated with it. Now, that's another thing I forgot to mention. When you deal with high-level witchcraft, you're always dealing with drug, drug use. Always. Why? Because that is another thing that opens gigantic barn doors to sin. To devils, I should say. The reason that, that, that these drugs are used is because it provides Satan with a way to infest somebody demonically to a much greater extent than if they weren't on the drugs. And people will do things when on drugs they would not do in a right mind. Human sacrifice is the greatest example. Most of the time, the things that I've read, even from Satanists who do this, they still have to get into a, I mean, just be out of their mind with drugs in order to, 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 to do a human sacrifice or something. Even a Satanist, a hardcore one, has to do that. Because even, even as bad as his mind has been darkened, he still has to go and do a high level of drugs in order to and work himself up in a demonic frenzy in order to actually do these sacrifices. It takes a lot. Because see, the conscience is still there deep, deep, deep down. It may be seared, but when you're talking about an act that heinous, it still, still has to be done that way. So, um, drugs are always associated. Homosexuality always associated. Witchcraft, it's all together. Always, always, always together. So, you have, when AIDS was introduced, you have an ideal vehicle with a homosexual to transmit AIDS. Why do I say that? Because AIDS is typically transmitted through bodily fluid. And there's many types of bodily fluid. But sodomy is the main, is, is, could be, especially with a, uh, two homosexual men, is an ideal way for AIDS to be transferred. Okay, and this is why it has plagued so much the gay population. Not only was it introduced to them first, but they have a problem in that area anyway, in regard to sodomy, in regard to IV drug use, and these types of things. So, that's why it is still, even to this day, perpetuated into these groups. The blacks also have a big time problem with, with sexual sin. How do we know this? Well, all you got to do is go all the way back to Ham. And Ham, his race is migrated into Africa. And we know, I was watching a thing last night about this black lady that, I'm sorry, I mean, I don't mean this to sound prejudiced, I'm sorry. But I'm being, I'm being factual. Does that mean I think the white race is, is sinless and without, no, I'm not saying that at all, okay? I'm being factual. If you perceive factual as bigotry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it's truth, okay? Does the white man have his hang-ups in certain areas? Yes, they do. Does that mean I think I'm perfect? No, I don't. Does that mean I think the blacks can't be saved? No, I don't. I don't think any of that. I'm being truthful. And the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. All you got to do is look at history. I'm sorry. And the black people, they have a problem with sexual sin. It started way back at Ham. Bible says Noah woke up and he knew what was done unto him. Who did it? Him. Noah put a curse on Canaan. Who was one of Ham's sons? Cush. What does his name mean? Black. 
Sorry, I'm sorry. They migrated in Africa. That's, we know that that's where the black races are. So we, we know that they have a problem in that area. And not to say there's not a lot of white people that don't have a problem in that area. I'm just saying as a preponderance, they have more of a problem there. So, um, and these are the two races, the homosexuals and the blacks, where AIDS has been, has, has had more of an explosion than any other air and than any other two races. I mean, it's ravaging Africa. I mean, I don't know how many people, millions, have died and millions are dying of AIDS over there. So prevalent, it's not even funny. So, um, God gave them, and then and it said, and then they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. This is verse twenty-eight. So see, when you're really in deep sin, you don't want to retain God in your knowledge. Well, how can you not retain God in your knowledge? Well, you can try to eliminate all the other religions that are preaching Bible-believing Christianity, so that you don't even have to deal with them. You can, what's another way? You water down the Word of God, get rid of the Bible. That's another way. What's another way? Well, you separate yourself from them. Um, what's another way? Take drugs. Hey man, I'm feeling good. No problems here. No way man, everything's good. Um, I'm not going to think about God. Oh, I'm feeling too good man. I'm tripping. Well, you're not going to retain God in your knowledge. That's why people, that's why people get drunk. That's why people... They're trying to escape reality. Let's, let's be honest. I used, I mean, I, I didn't really get into drugs, but I got, you know, I had a problem with alcohol. I, I wouldn't consider myself an alcoholic, but on the weekends, I guess you could consider me an alcoholic when I was in, the, in that stage before I got saved. And, and um, you're trying to escape reality or fit in or whatever. Are you retaining God in your knowledge when you're wasted out of your mind? I don't think so. Then, well, what what happens then? God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Reprobate. Hmm. What does reprobate mean? Lost in sin. Now, this is not to be confused with Lost in Space, which was the old sitcom during the 60s, I believe, which was beyond B-rated. Sorry, I just wanted to add that in. I mean, B-rated that show was. I was just talking to Taylor about that the other day. Lost in Space. <coughs> warning Will Robinson. Warning that one. Anyway, I got off track there. Sorry. Warning Will Robinson. No, it, it, this, is, this is God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Reprobate meaning lost in sin. They're just lost in sin. Now, this is a point where I believe, you know, your conscience has been seared with a hot iron. Um, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That's First Timothy 4.1. So they're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They're going to have their conscience seared with a hot iron. Hmm. And they're going to speak lies and hypocrisy. So God gave them over to reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Um, convenient here meaning um, 
proper or righteous type of thing. Okay? Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, first thing mentioned is fornication, wickedness, covetousness, meaning they covet, they covet, they want, they want what everybody else has got, maliciousness, meaning they're malicious, they're evil, they're, they're wanting to do harm to other people, full of envy, Envy, again, covetousness. They're envious. They want what everybody else has, if it's if it's something they want. Murder. Debate. Now, this isn't debating about something biblical in a good way. This would be debating to have your own agenda. This would be, be debating about something because you want your own ungodly, sick, twisted way. Deceit. Meaning lies. Malignity. What's malignity? What's a malignant tumor? It's a cancerous. Malignity would be like a, a, like the this the sin that has just filled you. Like your it's like your spirit has been is like it's almost like having a cancerous spirit inside you. You know what I mean? Like you're 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 um you're just malignant. Whispers. Now whispers would be like. Backbiting gossip. You know what I mean? These types of things. And it's lies. Backbiters. Backbiting gossipers. Now some of these are redundant, you can see. Haters of God. uh, Despiteful. Proud. Proud's always in there. That's absolute humility, pride. Boasters. Well, let's have Gay Pride Day. What a stinking abomination that is. Gay Pride? You should be on your knees begging God to forgive you and to deliver you from all the demonic spirits that possess you. Because I believe if you're a homosexual, you're possessed. You're, you're, you're stinking possessed to the toenails if you're a homosexual. I'm sorry. But I don't understand homosexuality at all. I can understand some sins, but I don't understand that one at all. It don't. It does not compute to me how a guy can look at another guy and say, "Oh yeah, I gotta have him." I'm sorry. That doesn't. That's not. That doesn't fit into my my memory banks. That does not compute. It doesn't make any sense. Well, you're taking over. You're taking over at that point. You really are. You've got to be. Um, in order to get that bad and that far away from the Lord. Then it says, inventors of evil things. Disobedient to parents. So they invent evil things too. They, 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 they seek out. Their, their feet are, are quick to run. The Bible talks about that in Proverbs. That their feet are quick to run to sin. Disobedient to parents. Oh! Now granted, today, most of the time, most parents are, are wicked just like the kids are. But, you know... This is this is a common mark of the times: disobedience to parents, without understanding. These people they're without understanding. Their, their minds have been darkened. Their consciences have been seared. They're without understanding. Covenant breakers. 
Let's make a covenant. You and I, we're, 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 we're going to pledge to do this. Well, that, that doesn't mean anything to them. That's all, that, it, it, their word means nothing. Now, I, I'm telling you, I, I, that really means a lot in today's day and age. Do you know how many times I hear people say, Oh, I'll do this, I'll do this. I'll... Now, granted, that doesn't mean necessarily they're making a covenant with me. But I'm just talking the earmark of, of one of the day and ages that the day and age we're living in. One of the earmarks is that people's words means nothing anymore, for the most part. Well, I'll do this. I'll do that. That's why I have an organizer, and I try to write things down. If I say I'm going to do something, I try to write it down and have a list. If I didn't have that list, unless I had some type of photographic freaky memory, I couldn't remember it all. Now, does that mean I don't sometimes forget? No. I'm saying, but there, there's no effort to even try. You know, I'll email people, and it's just like it's just n- no real response at all. It's as though you know I don't exist. And it's like, oh, that's nice. Do unto others as you have done unto yourself. Fine. That's the way you want to handle it. Fine. Without natural affection. Wow. Without natural affection. I see a whole lot of that. Women going to abortion clinics, killing their babies. I'd say that's without natural affection. Mm-hmm. Daughters and sons going against their mothers and fathers um, in an evil way. Women raising children and they could care less about them. Whatever. Eh. It's just a burden. Maybe they're keeping me, you know. I see a lot of this without natural affection. I really, really do. If you really think about it, the way that 99% of all children are being raised is without natural affection, if you really think about it. Because the, 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 the parents let the video games or the TV or whatever raise the children. They put them in some ungodly public school and... That's what they're letting raise their children. And they're, they're off making money or doing whatever they want to do. That's To me, that's without natural affection. If you really love your child, you're going to do whatever you can to protect them from that junk. So it just doesn't mean, well, I forgot to feed Johnny today and I don't really care about that. It means how are you raising your children? That's without natural affection. Implacable. What's that mean? That means they cannot be calmed down or appeased. Why would somebody want to do this? Well, the bigger fit they throw, that's how they get their way. They're implacable. I don't let that stuff affect me. Taylor doesn't do that, because I, I, at least not to me ever, because I don't let her do it. Spare the rod, spoil the child. I don't let... If a, child, if a child throws a gigantic fit, I don't, I don't go there. That, that does not work with me at all. You think you're going to get your way with me if you throw a big... No, it's going to... The opposite will happen. The opposite. I, but you know why? Because if I give in to that behavior pattern, they're going to know it next time and they're going to do the same thing. They're going to do the exact same thing. They're implacable. Well, if you don't let the child do that from an early age, then they'll learn that pattern in a good way. And then they won't do that. But if they know they can get their way by throwing a gigantic fit, then they're going to continue to do that. And then it's going to perpetuate into their adulthood. Just don't let them do it. Lay, the, lay down the law. Unmerciful. 
Bible says that if you don't show mercy to others, you will not obtain mercy before God. So, that has a salvation implication too. Because if you say, well, I'm saved and I'm saved, and you, and you have all these... This, this, uh, the Bible talks about the root of bitterness, which Bible says will springeth up and defile many. If you walk around bitter and unmerciful and unforgiving, how are you going to appropriate forgiveness from God when you stand before Him? How are you really saved? Well, I don't feel that way. Well, then pray that God make you that way because He's the only one that can do it. I can't give it to you. You can't make yourself forgive somebody. I believe only God can really give you that to do that. So now we get down to the end. Now the, these these people that we just mentioned are people, as in Proverbs 17, verse 13, Whoso rewardeth evil for good, evil shall not depart from their house. So these are the people that do this. They reward evil for good. That's, that's their way of life. Homosexuals, that's what they do. Now, granted, this is way more than homosexuals. These are, these are just people in general that do these things also. The Bible says evil should not depart from their house. So if you've got an individual like that that's living this way, what comes around goes around. Do unto others as you have done unto yourself. Whoso rewardeth evil for good, evil should not depart from their house. Who knowing, and then we go to verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God, they know the judgment of God deep down. The Bible says it. Oh, well, I don't know. I've never been told. I'm sorry. The Bible says there's something put inside you. Jesus told the prophet, I believe Isaiah or Jeremiah, he says, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet. Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee? I don't understand how all that quite works. But Jesus does. We were fashioned, our spirit... Our soul was fashioned somewhere before we were ever born. Bottom line, before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet. Well, you had to be, there was some type of thing that had to happen where your spirit and soul were created. Your physical body was, was created at conception, was start the start of your physical body. And then the soul and the spirit enter in. That's why at conception is, is, is that's a child. Oh no, it's not, it's a two-celled psychote. And then it forms into a fetus. I saw this a really good um, thing on a bus the other day. And it said, um, showed this picture of this little baby at eight weeks. And it says at eight weeks, the heartbeat starts. And it was trying to get through to people's head. And then it was like 1-800. If, if, you're, if you're pregnant and don't know what to do, call 1-800. And that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm for anything that preserves life. Of course, I don't like the fact that many times the Catholics are more zealous about this than anybody. Why are the Catholics so zealous about this? Because their, their religion is demonic. Why? Well, one, possibly to give a, give a, a picture of being pious and good. But here's the real reason, I believe. Because the Catholic religion is responsible for more martyrs and more blood than any other religion that's ever been since the, since the New Testament. There's no other religion that's killed more Bible-believing Christianities than Catholicism. Period. Do the Inquisitions and things of this nature. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking wicked beyond belief, that whole religious system. It'll take you straight to hell. Why, then, are they, are they pro-life? Why are they so zealous? 
because that's how they grow their religion. Big families, you're brought up into this demonism. That's what you're. That's what you're taught. You're taught that in catechism. You're brainwashed, and I mean that in every sense of the word, from a very early age. That's what you grow up in. That's what you do. That's what you perpetuate. You have a family. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The bigger the family, the more kids, the more kids they can have, more, the more money they get, the more power they have, the more people they have control over. To me, if you really, really boil it down, that's the only reason they're pro-life. It's the only reason. Does that mean I think every Catholic is this unbelievably sick, twisted, evil... No, I don't. And I feel sorry when I go to these abortion clinics and I'll go back there to pray and I'll come out and, and, and sometimes the Catholics will be out there. But I'm not going to go and pray with them. I'm not going to get in unity with them. And I've had some, some Catholics, you know, on the way out they would try to talk to me. And, and I mean, I, feel, I really feel sorry for them. I really do. Because some of them, I can tell, really do care. I mean, there's this one lady at, at, at this one place. And I mean, to be honest with you, if you would just meet her on the street, you'd think she's probably just a sweet person. Um, I pray for her that God open her eyes to the truth. And I've given them tracks. I even gave them a video one time on um, abortion that led, that led them to the Lord. Uh... I want him to go to heaven. I don't want him. To, I don't want to see him go to hell. I don't want to see any of these people go. I don't want to see the homosexuals go to hell. Only the only way I would that I would have anything in me where I would even petition God for that is if they are and God knows the beginning from the end. If they're going to stay in that sin and they're going to take more people to hell, particularly homosexuals and things, these heinous things, they're going to take more people to hell. If God could somehow take them out, that other people could get saved, that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, for they would wisely consider of His doing, like Ananias and Sapphira, when they were struck dead, many people got saved. That's the only reason I would ask that. It's not because I want vengeance, or because I want to see them burn in hell. I don't want to see that for anybody. The Bible says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Jesus... Word of God says that. Um, he says he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And then it's, it's God's will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's not his will. He's not happy when all this happens. But unfortunately, it's what does happen most of the time. So it says, Who knowing the judgment of God, they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Misery loves company. So they do, they, they not only do the same things, but they have pleasure in the other people. Because there's more people doing it, um, the more justified they feel to do it. Hey, everybody else is doing it. That's why true Bible-believing Christianity, that's true small remnant, is getting smaller and it's not getting bigger it's getting smaller I think right now um, but you almost have to come out of the churches and have some type of home church um, that you're going to or, or, or if you don't even have that option just have your you're going to have to police yourself I don't know I mean uh, let's face it if if, if um 
persecution sets in and, and we're, we're put in situations where we can't even meet, we're going to have to be able to police ourselves. We have to get purpose it in our mind that, that if, if, if we're all taken away from one another and persecution sets in, we're still going to serve God. Period. Because if there's something that God, that the devil can get you to do that will make you give up on God, or if there's something, then, then that's probably what you're going to get tested with. So don't ever think that I can't do it, I can't... No, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. I believe that's Philippians 4.16. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. So if, if you don't feel you have the strength to do something, you have to ask Christ, God, if I were presented with this thing, I don't know if I could do this. I mean, let's face it, going to the guillotine, getting the old head chopped off, getting thrown in a burning fire... I was out there last night doing a burn. I mean, that fire's hot. And I didn't throw myself in it. <laughs> I'm, I thought to myself, I just got a little bit near that. Could you imagine burning in hell for turning me in that thing? Oh, Lord have mercy. I mean, that is beyond scary. Now, that's the fear of God. Fear of God is being afraid of the flames of hell, I think. Some people say, well, that's the fear of the devil. No, that's the fear of God. That hell wasn't created for, for us. It was created for the devil and his angels. He's afraid of it as much as we are. Satan, his angels, and then the lake of fire. Um, talk about going from the frying pan into the fire or whatever. I don't know. How you, lake of fire? Like, okay, like, let's say this. A, a, a lake of gasoline set on fire for all eternity. And you're in it. Whoa. I mean, it, the punishment... Uh, it, it couldn't get any more severe. But it says here, they have pleasure in them that do the same. What, what time is it? Oh, good, okay. I just want to check. So then let's go to chapter 2. Now, now remember, this is, we got to look at context here. Context. Because chapter 2 is where people will point to and say, well, judge not lest ye be judged. I can take you right to the book of Romans and show you. It's not just where Jesus said it. Now let's hold on here. When Jesus said that in that parable, it was hypocritical judgment. He even said, Thou hypocrite, cast out the beam in thine own eye so that you can see the speck in your brother's eye. Judge not lest ye be judged. That was the context of the verse. Because if we don't have that context, then we get all messed up where it says, He who is spiritual judgeth all things. And there's all kind of places in the Bible where it says we judge. We have to judge. We have to judge to live every day. Everything that we're doing, we're judging right now. I mean, you have to judge in order to live your life. To drive a car, you have to judge. To make a meal, you have to judge. You know, I, you have to. If we never judged, we would be dead. We probably wouldn't make it through a day. So let's be reasonable and, and, and look at this a little closer. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. Now again, let's look at context here. For, when while, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. 
For thou that judgest doest the same things. Here's the context of this whole chapter. Thou that judgest doest the same thing. Who is this addressed to then? The person who's judging another and they're doing the same thing. That's who this is to. So let's look at the context here. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Now who who are them which commit such things? The people we've just talked about here, even though this is the second chapter, the people that we just talked about, the ones that are filled with all unrighteousness and all these things that, that I named off here. And the people that are taking pleasure in the same that do them. That's the context of this verse. Even says it here, for thou that judgest doest the same things. This is the context. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Now, I would I would also go so far and hope to say that this is this would be in reference to an unsaved person. It may be a Christian that thinks they're saved. But if they're really saved and they're doing all this, there's got to be some conviction of sin. They can't just be living like the devil and not having no conviction of sin. Why? Because the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, you are bastards. What is a bastard? It's an illegitimate son. So if you're doing these things, and I'm not saying somebody couldn't fall back into this for a short time or or backslide or whatever and still be saved... But there's got to, there's going to have to be some conviction of that sin. If there's no conviction of that sin and your conscience is seared as a hot iron, how could the Holy Spirit really be living inside you? Or despiseth thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance? What is forbearance? Well, it's it's the same really as long suffering and long suffering, forbearance and long suffering. God's mercy to put up with us and our sin. So you, you, when you're in the state, you despise the riches of His goodness and the forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You know another thing that leads to repentance? The Bible also talks about godly sorrow leadeth thee to repentance. So the goodness of God is not the only thing that leadeth to repentance. There's a man that goes and he, and he does a lot of praying... And he always prays that the goodness of God would be would come upon a person that's living in sin. That's fine. That is one thing that will lead somebody out of sin. It's not the only thing, and it's not the only thing that will get the job done, I believe. Because I believe there's been many people whose God's been good to, they're still not repenting. I believe what will cause more people to repent will be godly sorrow. Now, I'm not trying to contradict the Word of God because the Bible says both will lead to repentance. But really, when you think about it, godly sorrow falls under goodness because godly sorrow is God's mercy. Is it more merciful for God to let a person live like the devil their whole life, die and go to hell, burn in eternity, and then the lake of fire? Or would it be more merciful for that person to be taken to the woodshed, to be shown to have their eyes open, and then repent. Well, godly sorrow leadeth to repentance. You're not going to repent 
in a godly, sorrowful way unless you've had your sin shown to you. Unless you've been taken to the woodshed in some way, shape, or form. You're not going to repent. You're not going to, in and of yourself, just one day say, you know something, I'm so sick of living like the devil. I'm just going to be good. I'm just going to be a great guy. I'm going to get in that Bible, and I'm going to... That normally will not ever happen. Normally will take something... The goodness and the severity of God... Severity will get more job done most of the time. Because let's face it, God's been good. The Bible says that they're without excuse here. That the things of the, of, of for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. He's already been good. He's put breath in our lungs, life in our bodies. So, I... Quite honestly, I feel like goodness has already been shown. Now, granted, there are some people that that, in, that, are, that are really growing up in in rough environments. I'm talking about, I guess, for the people in this room as, as Christians, we do have it really good compared to the rest of the world. We really do. So, or despiseth thou the riches of goodness and the forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart. Hardness. The heart's hard. The conscience has been seared with a hot iron. Impenitent means they're not going to repent. That's what impenitent means. They're, they're, they're not going to repent. Their impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath. Now, this heart thing is a dichotomy. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Whoso trusteth in his heart is a fool. Huh. There's a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end of the ways of death. But you know what's so crazy about the whole thing? Heart's how you got to get saved. It's it's a, a paradoxical thing here. Let me let me let me show you. Romans 10:9. For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart. That God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Let's look, let's expand on it. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That's how you have to believe, unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's why I don't like these silent prayers saying you're going to get saved. The Bible says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart. So you could confess it with your mouth and not believe it in your heart and you're not saved. And if you really believe it in your heart, you're going to confess it with your mouth. That's going to take care of itself. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich on all that call upon him. So, um, let's go back to Romans 2. Uh, verse five. For but after the hardness and in, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath. Treasurest. It's like you're you're treasuring your 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 your, your treasure is the wrath that's going to be poured out on you. It's what you're actually doing. Treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath. And revelation of the of the righteous judgment of God. See, there's going to be a day of wrath. First day of wrath, 
some people can experience God's wrath somewhat in this life, and I, I do think that, that, I mean, let's face it, homosexual, homosexual that lives 25 years less than the average person, they are experiencing some wrath of God on this earth. Nothing that can be compared to hell which they're going to plunge into. And then they're going to be brought up to the great white throne judgment at the end of the thousand year millennium and then be cast into the lake of fire. That's real wrath. But that wrath, is they're treasuring that wrath up by the life that they live in this life. Treasure not by myself wrath against the day of wrath. This day of wrath, I believe the real day of wrath is going to be when, when God throws them in the lake of fire. And revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Well, they're going to get a pretty good revelation when they plunge into hell. That's what that's in reference to, revelation. They're going to, they're going to have their eyes opened. Not only in hell, but at the great white throne judgment. They're going to, they're going to, their eyes are going to be totally open. It's going to be revealed. Revelation revealed unto them. They're going to understand then the righteous judgment of God. Then they're going to understand it. Who will render to every man according to his deeds. Now this isn't the great white throne judgment. He'll render to every man according to his deeds. Think about this. If you want to try to get to heaven by your own good works, God will let you have it that way. He'll let you, he'll let you have your deeds and your works. He'll, he'll, he's going to render to you according to your deeds. If you want it that way, God will give it to you. He'll give it to you at the great right throne judgment. He'll give it to you. You wanted to have it your way? You wanted to work your way into heaven? I'll render to you according to your deeds. I don't want to be rendered according to my works on where I spend eternity. Because I will burn in hell forever. I'm talking about me, Scott Johnson. I will burn in hell for eternity if I go to God based on that basis. I'm not holding them to any, any higher accountability than I would personally hold myself. I don't want it to be that way. I want it to be through grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, not of works, lest any man should boast. I don't want my entrance into heaven to be based on any work or whatever that I have done. I want it to be based on faith in Jesus Christ. His shed blood. His atonement on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection. My faith in Him. My childlike faith in Him. As a little baby, God, I cannot do this. I cannot save myself. I am nothing apart from You. Nor do I desire to be anything apart from You. I tell that to the Lord and I mean it. I mean it. I don't want to be anything apart from Him. Because I know the moment I think I am something apart from Him, I am nothing. The Bible says that. He said in John 15, He says, You can do nothing apart from Me. You have to abide in the, in, in the vine as a branch. You have to abide in the vine. The vine is Jesus Christ. You, as a branch grafted in, we have to abide in the vine. One of the main ways you abide in the vine is by abiding in the Word of God. Because He is the Word. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without without Him was not anything made that was made. That's John chapter 1. All things were made by Him. So, um, it says, "...who will render to every man according to his deeds." To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. So now, granted, this is works following salvation. And this is talking about different categories. This is talking about the saved. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing... See, well-doing is just going to be a natural byproduct of being saved. Period. It's not, faith, it's not works though before faith. They seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, what are they truly contentious toward? I can be contentious towards toward an unsaved person and arguing the gospel of Christ. Does that make me contentious? Well, contentious defending the word of God, I don't think that's the kind of contentious they're in reference to here. Because we are supposed to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. That's Jude. So, but unto them that are contentious. What are they contentious about? I I believe it's... um, They're contentious about the word of God. They're contentious about saying, I want it my way. And I want God on my terms. And I'm going to heaven. And there's no hell. And there's no sin. And I can do whatever I want. They're contending with the word of God. Is Really, what they're, really their argument is with the word of God. If you get into a biblical argument about something, and you're, and you're biblically correct in what you're saying, if you really think about it, the argument of the person coming against you isn't so much with you as it is with the Word of God. And that's something you can bring up to them. To kind of take the spotlight, because they'll always try to put the spotlight on you. Oh, you do-gooder, you self-righteous, sanctimonious, whatever. Stop the conversation. No, no, no. Sorry. Your, your, Your argument really isn't with me. It's really with the Word of God. Because this is what the Word of God says. And if you want me to show it to you, I can prove it to you. Now, if you have the, if you have the verses memorized, you can just quote it to them. I wish I had more Scripture memorized. But, these are things that... that um, why the, where the Bible says always being able to give uh, an answer for the hope that is within you. These are, that falls under that classification. So... <clears throat> These are things that we can do, and, and there's a time that you are contentious. There is. There's a time that you are contentious. When it comes to the Word of God, I say it's fine to be contentious, you know? Um, but if it's contentious where you're just trying to get your own agenda, these types of things, that's not good. Um, but under them that are contentious and do not obey the truth. Now, now here we, we know right here, because see, the Bible will define itself. You say, well, contentious? Well, I got in an argument about the Bible yesterday. Mm. Am, am I contentious? Well, hold on. Didn't Jesus argue with the Pharisees and Sadducees? Didn't, didn't he always argue with the... Every time he got around anybody so-called religious, those are the ones he had the biggest problems with. Those are the ones he called serpents and vipers. He didn't even call the heathens and, and, the, and the taxpayers and all the other... the whores and the prostitutes and all this other stuff. He didn't have... 
near as much of a problem with them. He didn't go around calling them serpents of vipers. He only called the religious. Because that's the chief tool of Satan to take people to hell. Religion. Think about that. Selah. Sorry. Anyway. Um, so it says that, that um, but under them that are contentious and do not obey the truth. Well, the Bible says, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, in that verse, what is implied is truth. The word of God. That is truth. That truth shall make you free. Well, it says, unto them that are contentious, do not obey the truth. Well, these are people that aren't obeying the Bible. The word. But obey unrighteousness, obviously, not, we're not talking about the Bible if they're obeying unrighteousness. Indignation and wrath. Tribulation and anguish. Upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Gentile. He came to the Jew first, here we go again, and then the Gentile. The emphasis got shifted to the Gentile. That works against them too, the Jew. Because they're the ones that get hammered the hardest because they're first in line. <laughs> so that whole Jew first, Gentile second thing can work against the Jew too if they're, if they're in unrighteousness. The Bible says that Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. He came to the Jew first, but his own received him not. Let's face it, Jesus was in the lineage of the Jew. Just look at Matthew chapter 1, the lineage of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good. So see, good works should be following. Problem is, is you've got some very morally upright people that are out there that maybe really were brought up in a very morally upright house. And of course, that's getting less and less in today's day and age. I'm talking more and more elderly people. My grandpa was a great example of that. Never even saw... I think I saw him get mad one time. Never... Nobody... I don't think he's ever cussed in his life. Kind, gentle, nice. I don't know anybody that could say a bad word about the man. But when came time for me to try to lead him to the Lord, he was much harder than my grandma, who was very cantankerous, who would cuss, who, who, who basically, this is where my dad got his temper, this is where his brother got his temper from my grandma. She could be considered a brawling woman. You should see this one picture of my grandma, my grandpa, I saw it, I saw it for the first time like a year ago. It is so hilarious. My grandpa is standing there. He's looking kind of real timid. He's like, and his brother's there. And my grandma's like, there. It was the most hilarious thing. I wish I could bring it. Oh, it's so funny. My, my grandma, I guarantee, was a handful. Oh, yeah. She was a handful. Oh, well, yeah. But my, my grandma, I never really saw that side of her that much. She just, she loved me and, and, and Taylor. And, and, and the grandkids were a different deal. You know, it was a different deal. But, um, uh, 
But when it came down to lead my grandma to the Lord, she could understand this whole thing of, of unregenerate sinner on their way to hell better than my grandpa. I didn't find out until a week before he died that he was actually saved. Finally pinned him down again and um, I do believe he was saved. But he was harder because he was a very morally upright person. This wasn't a guy that walked around in abject sin. I told him, I said, if there was any anybody that I've ever known personally, that if anybody had any merit to get into heaven on their own good works, Grandpa, you are it. But the Bible says that all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6. No, it says, For we are all together as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. For we all together do fade as doth of a leaf, like a leaf fades. So, our best day in God's eyes, apart from Jesus Christ, is as a filthy rag. Bottom line. So, um, but glory, honor, and peace to every man, this is verse 10, to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. That's why all this stuff about elevating the Jew up, oh, he's, they're, they're, they're God's chosen people. Well, you know, the Bible says there's no respect of persons with God. Period. And the Bible says when you're saved, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. It says it right here in Revelation. We'll get to that. For as many as, as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law, and as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. This is referring to Jew and, and heathen nations. They're all going to go to the same place. There's no respect of persons with God. For not the hear, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Now this was basically in the reference to when they were under the law. When the Jew were under the law. Okay, that's what this is in reference to. We're under a better covenant now though, the Bible talks about. For the Gentiles which have not the law... For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Now that reminds me of my grandpa. Because he would be a verily, morally upright, obey the Ten Commandments type of person. Went to a Presbyterian church. Isn't that amazing? You could go to a church. I, I don't ever remember hearing the gospel ever growing up. I went to my, my, with my grandparents several times to church. Presbyterian church. It was nice, you know, it was boring. But, um, you know, hey, a little different than this today. Um, of course, they may be just as bored, but it was a different deal. Um, no, I don't ever remember hearing the gospel preached. I went to a Lutheran middle school for three years. I don't ever remember the gospel being preached, ever. I don't ever remember getting anybody, talk of anybody getting saved. All I can remember is there's this lady named Miss Spangler. She was my teacher. And she would bring in, she would bring me in. I remember she did this on a few occasions. She brought me into this this uh, we, we'd go into like a room or whatever, and she 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 liked me, I guess, or something. And and, and she uh she sent me down with the Bible and she'd get right in my face. And she had just been drinking coffee and her breath was terrible. And she'd be trying to leave. I don't know what she was trying to do. She was a former nun. A nun! 
come out of the Catholic Church in the Lutheran Church. Oh, thank God, you know, she came from that, you know. I mean, she, at least she was moving kind of in a little bit better direction. They'll both take you to hell. At least there's a little more truth in the Lutheran, though. Not quite as bad. I hope she made the leap, I don't know, but uh, in, in, into true salvation. But she would sit me down, and all I can remember her telling me, she was sitting there pleading with me about, I don't know if it was about sin, but I remember she kept saying, you don't want to be a whitened sepulcher full of dead man's bones. Like Jesus talked about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He said, you're whitened sepulchers full of dead man's bones. What is a whitened sepulcher? A tomb... A sepulchre, which is whitened, it's nice on the outside, but it's in, inwardly it's full of dead man's bones. She was right about that. But see, she herself was that very thing. Unfortunately. Was she really wanting to be morally upright? Well, I think in her own twisted views, she was trying. I don't think her heart was typically... Obviously, she wasn't there because she wanted me to go to hell. Was she very sincere? Yes. Very, very sincere, Miss Spangler was. I pray to God she gets saved. I really do. But she was very deceived. She was sincere, but very sincerely deceived she was. I remember her. Um, I don't know what her, the purpose of that was. For me to be morally upright? It wasn't to lead me to salvation. Sure not that I can remember. So, um, so that we'll go back for, not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. In their thoughts, the mean, while accusing or else excusing one another. Their thoughts, the mean. Uh, now that I have to look at a little bit closer. Their thoughts, the mean. Right, right. While accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and re retest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approveth the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou, therefore, which teachest another, teachest not, teacheth thou not thyself, thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorst idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest the boast of the law without breaking the law, dishonoreth thou God? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. See, if, you, if you're going to live by the sword, you're going to have to die by the sword. So if you're, if you're boasting in the law, then, 
you're, you're, you're dishonoring God because we're not under that covenant anymore. Now, why is so much of this directed at the law? Because, see, the, the Jews, the apostles were all Jews. This was, this was emphasized toward the Jews, this book. It had to be. That's all they'd ever known. So if some of this doesn't seem appropriate maybe uh, to maybe our given situation, you have to understand the context of when this was written. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. Why, why would the name of God be blasphemed? Because they're trying to keep the law. And when you have a person trying to keep the law, when there's a better covenant available, when there's a covenant that basically disannuls the first covenant, does that mean that, 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 that the law is bad? No. The Bible says, if I had not known the law, I had not known sin. Okay? But the fact remains is, is that you think you're going to get to heaven now keeping the law, you're going to go to hell. So what happens when you try to keep the law and that's the, your way to heaven and you're teaching others? The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles. You're setting that example to the Gentiles. See, we're responsible not only for our own sins but for how we've influenced other people toward either God or toward the devil. The name of God's blasphemy among the Gentiles through you, as it is written, for the circumcis- for the circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Now, circumcision is always referenced to the Jew here in these contexts. If for circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, which all are, essentially, you just can't walk around in sinless perfection. can't do it. That's why Jesus had to come and bring a better covenant. That's why He was the sinless Lamb that was slain, the Bible says, before the foundation of the earth. Only the sinless perfection of Jesus Christ being crucified on the cross, only Jesus Christ could pay our sin debt. Any other way was was a covenant that was not even to be compared with the better covenant of Jesus Christ. It's an insult to compare the two. It's basically what it's saying here. Was it what God used for, for a long time? Yes, it was, until Jesus came. That's what He did use. But was it... Was it perfect? No, it wasn't. And look what happened. You had the Pharisees and the Sadducees getting into an adding to the law and making all these ordinances that no man could ever keep. So what happens when you let man get into religion. Um, therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? Now, I, I think what this is in reference to um, is when you have somebody, the uncircumcision, this would be like a Gentile. Okay, when they keep the righteousness of the law, the Bible says that they are law unto themselves, where it said, where we had just read, that they are law unto themselves. Okay, this would be like my grandpa, who's basically a morally upright person, who basically keeps the law just because by nature he knows to keep the law, 
okay, let's just, you know, like Ten Commandments, these types of things. Um, the circumcised of the Old Testament Jew were considered, the one that kept the law were considered justified through faith. It was still through faith, though. Well, no, it wasn't. It was by works because you had to keep the law. Yes, but you kept the law because you had the faith. Abraham was justified through faith. That was before the law was ever given. Think about that. He was the first Jew. Or, or no, he wasn't the first Jew. Well, actually, yeah, he was. He was the first Jew. Theoretically speaking, he was the father of the Jewish nations. But that was before the law. We know he's not in hell. So see, let's boil it all. Always, always, always boils back to faith. Okay, so shall not the uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and the circumcision does transgress the law. If an unsaved person is doing a better job at keeping the law, let's just say the Ten Commandments, than a circumcised Jew trying to keep the law, isn't that going to be a witness against them? That's what this is saying. Okay, It's not the ideal way to do it. You don't even want to go here. You just want to get saved through Jesus Christ and this won't even be an issue. You understand? But this had to be told to the Jews because they were still in that Old Testament mindset. That's why you see this being beaten over and over and over again in the New Testament. That's why you'll see things which seem like, well, what does this mean? Well, that's why this is so emphasized because the, what, the, what the writer is trying to do is bring them out of that Old Testament mindset into your say by faith through you know grace through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works not of the law lest any man should boast that was what this was all about for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly white and sepulchre full of dead man's bones he is not a Jew which is one outwardly neither is that circumcision which is of the outward flesh. So you can go, you can be a Jew, you can be born a Jew, and you can get circumcised all you want. That ain't going to get you to heaven. It's not going to get you to heaven. He's not a Jew, it says, which is one outwardly. Huh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart. Your heart's circumcised now. In the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. So this would be the religious Jew who's thinking that I'm saved because I'm a Jew. Look at me. Okay. But the Bible says he, he but he is a Jew, a true Jew, which is one inwardly. This is, this is talking about a true saved Jew in God's eyes. And circumcision is that not of the heart. It is that of the heart. The heart is circumcised. Their, their heart is not hard. Their, their heart has been softened. It has been, it has been um, uh, prepared to receive the gospel. They have confessed it with their mouth and they have believed it in their heart. Jew has to get saved the same way we do. Bottom line. And they're a Jew of the Spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. Okay, so we'll stop there. I'll go ahead and close this out. <clears throat>
Heavenly Father, we do thank You for this, this day, Lord God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for all Your goodness and Your mercy. I thank You, Lord God, for this time that You've given us to come together. I pray, Lord God, that whoever would hear this message in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would be receptive to the truth that they've heard. Lord God, if there's anything I've spoken, Lord God, that's not truth, I pray to God you convict me of it. And I pray, God, that if there's anything I've spoken even now or in the past that's not of the truth, Lord God, that you wouldn't let that bear bad fruit, God. And I pray you would forgive me of these things. Forgive me, God, where I've failed. You forgive us, Lord God, corporately of any and all sins that we've committed in any way, shape, or form, God. You said in your word that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I pray, Lord God, wherever we may be regarding iniquities in our heart, that you would point these things out to us, God, that you would cleanse us from secret sins and presumptuous sins, Lord God, that they would not have dominion over us. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to do right all the days of our life, that your name would be glorified through the body of Christ, through your remnant, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. I even thank you, Lord God, for for, for just... Lord God, all your goodness and mercy for Marissa being here today, for, for these that you've brought here. I pray, God, that you bless and protect everyone here, everyone hearing this message. Lord God, Onetta and Doug and Lisa, Taylor and myself, Marissa, plead the blood of Jesus Christ over us. And I pray, God, your angels would encamp around about us, God. And I pray, God, you'd protect us and, God, that you would use us in mighty ways. God, that your name would be glorified through us, that you'd, you, you would use us in the body of Christ to lead many people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord God. I pray you bring us back at the next appointed time. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you.